We must also remember, though, that these are not promises from God. These are desired blessings of the people who fear the Lord, a desired result of living your life, walking in the commands of God. Let's look back at verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Now we're going to take just a little bit of time and see how the Israelite during this time probably would have seen this psalm and why they were singing it. And if you'll recall we said it was a song of ascent, which meant they sang these as they were climbing up the mountain to Jerusalem to go to one of the three major festivals, Pentecost, Passover, or the Feast of Tabernacles. And so they're singing this song. So the Israelite would be singing this song as they walked to Jerusalem. And they would be reminded that fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which is what you see in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Um, I was not wise enough to send ahead notes for Scripture, so... Y'all are just going to have to wait for me to get there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I'm not the fastest. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Oftentimes, fear is an emotion or a feeling. I remember as a child in the 80s, that there was one time a year scary movies came out and it was usually about this time of year. And they would run through Thanksgiving and then you wouldn't see scary movies again. But they were meant to cause fear and trembling and, um, and they usually did a real good job. Now, we're desensitized to that kind of stuff and we have scary movies year round. And it's, uh, I really don't enjoy them, some people do, but um, the fear that we're talking about here though is not an emotion. It's not something you go and, and witness or be a part of. It's more of an awe and a reverence of God. They would remember that God is the creator of all things. And as such, he deserves and still deserves awe and reverence. I heard it explained one time, it's like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon and being so struck with the immensity and the enormity and the majesty of that place that it makes you feel a little sick to your stomach. That's how we should view the Lord, with awe and reverence, that he's so amazing, so wonderful, so majestic, that it kind of makes us a little bit sick to our stomachs because we can't ever understand exactly what he is. To fear God is to have such awe and reverence, in fact, for him that it changes the way you live your life. It says there, who walks in his ways. So that's fearing the Lord. And as they're walking up to Jerusalem, that's what they're doing. They've shut down their life. They're fearing God and walking in his ways, going to Jerusalem to worship him there. So the desired blessing then that they're wanting is verse two. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. 
The desired blessing for them walking in God's ways then was for God to bless the labor of their hands. Part of the curse in Genesis 3 was that labor would become hard. Part of this blessing then would be that they would get to enjoy the work of their hands and see the fruit of it. Not that it would be any less difficult, but contentment in God, awe and reverence before him would bring a certain joy to it. Um, I've just been on staff at Redeemer Pampa for about the last 15 months, but before that, for 25, 26 years, I was a welder, a fabricator. And, um, and I can say I know what that joy is as a fabricator, as a Christian man going to work every morning and coming home tired from the labors of the day that God has given me. And I'm sure that many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's the desired blessing for them. But there's more. In verse three, it says, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. So part of this desired blessing then of fearing the Lord and walking in his ways was to have a spouse who is growing and producing fruit in the Lord. You know, on the way in here, I think we saw a vineyard. I'm not sure. Is there a vineyard out here? And um, one of the things that you could see in that vineyard was the vines growing, and they were going everywhere. It was, it was a sight to behold. I, I mean, I've never seen one before because I'm from Pampa, Texas, where there's nothing but oil fields. And... Um, but it made me think of this verse because they wanted their wives to grow and to expand across everywhere they went to intertwine themselves and bear fruit for the Lord. That's what a vine does. And in Israel at that time, a uh, vine, a grapevine was a blessing from God. It was something that wasn't necessary for life, but it made their life better. The Israelite walking in God's ways then desired a spouse that is growing in the Lord. Also, it says that your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Now, I didn't know this until I started studying for this, but apparently olive trees are very hard to take care of. And you have to work the ground. You have to cultivate around this tree. It takes constant, constant work for an olive tree to bear fruit. But when it does, it bears fruits for hundreds of years. Now, I didn't know that. And so that makes sense then that the desired blessing for children to be like olive shoots around your table because if you want your kids loving the Lord, it takes hard work. There's hard ground to cultivate. That's what the Israelite was wanting. He wasn't wanting God to do it. He was wanting God to use him to do it so that his children would know and fear the Lord and would produce fruit for him, for God, for years to come. So now let's look at verse 4. And it's kind of just a repeat of verse 1. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So the man who fears the Lord, who's walking to Jerusalem who shut down his life, saying, God, I trust you with my life because I think the blessings, the blessings that I desire for my life 
is work that produces good for me because of you. A home where my spouse is growing and loving you and helping others to grow and love you. Children who know you and fear you and want to walk just as I walk for you. Then we come to verse five. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Verse six, may you see children, your children's children, peace be upon Israel. So then we see the Israelite at that time walking in God's ways, fearing him, wanting the blessing of a home, of a spouse that knows and loves God, children that know and love God. But we see that moving out of the home. I had to look up. I didn't know what Zion was. I've heard Zion, and there's just those Bible words that you think you know until you actually look them up. And Zion was one of them. Zion had many, many things in the Bible It's like over 150 times the word Zion is used, but it's used for something different nearly every time. In Isaiah 60, verse 14, we find that it's God's people. Zion is the people of God. It's the congregation of the people of God. So now we see that the desired blessing of the people of Israel is moving out of the home and into the gathering of God's people. And it says, may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. The prosperity and the desired blessing of the home moves into God's people, which moves into the city of God. And then it says, may you see your children's children Peace be upon Israel, so that you can see your grandchildren loving the Lord, fearing him, and walking in his ways. Quite a song to sing, living for God, walking in his wisdom, so that maybe they'll be able to work and enjoy the fruit of their labor, have a home that is growing in the Lord, a home that is at peace, that the people of God are growing in the Lord also, And that that is good for the city, which is good for the country and good for the generations to come. What an amazing song to sing. But how does that apply to our lives today? Unfortunately, the term blessed has been stolen from the church. Look on any social media platform and you would think to be blessed would mean you got that promotion at work, or you got a new house or a new car, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Our our culture has co-opted the word blessed to mean a life of comfort, a life of ease, a life of good health and security. That, however, is not the New Testament picture of blessed. Jesus, in fact, said this in Luke chapter six, Verse 20 through 22. Oh, I'm in John. Sorry. (laughs) I went too far. Here we go. 
And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. James chapter 1 verse 12 has something to say about this as well. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Blessing means something much different than what our culture would tell us that it is. I looked this up to see what blessing actually means from the Bible, from a biblical standpoint. And it means receiving God's favor regardless of circumstance. The one who is blessed trusts in God's love no matter what. The desired blessing of modern culture does not look like the desired blessing of this song or of the Bible. Why? Because we don't have a proper fear of the Lord. Remember, earlier we said that the fear of the Lord is really awe and reverence for God that changes the way we live. In a word, it really is repentance. That you and I have lived our way, and we know it's wrong, and we need to walk in God's ways. So how do you and I find a healthy fear of the Lord? Let's look back to our text. In verse 4, it says, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So men, I'm going to start with you. Husbands and dads, is it your desire to see your spouse grow and be fruitful? How about your children? Are you cultivating the ground around them? In Pampa, we call it gospel tender so that the spirit can come and ignite their hearts on fire for God. Um, how do we get there? How do we start as men of our homes? Psalm 34, 18. If you'll just look there real quick. <clears throat> Psalm 34 Verses 18 through 19 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the del Lord delivers him out of them all. That's the beginning of what we call the gospel. That we as men get on our knees every morning and tell the Lord, I have not loved you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I have not loved my neighbor as I already love myself. I need you, God, to lead me 
because you in Christ have forgiven me now and forever. Lead me so I can lead my family, my church, and my town. Men, that's what we need to do every morning. Every morning. It's called a gospel-centered life, reminding ourselves that we belong to the Lord first, and he will show us how to lead our families, our churches, and our towns. Now, if this were Father's Day, I would leave it right there, right? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in a church where you go in on Father's Day and they crush on the dads and tell them they're not doing their jobs. But in verse 1, it says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. That's what we're talking about here. When we get on our knees before God, repenting of our sins before him, trusting in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're fearing God. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Now, I'm from Pampa. I don't know what it's like way up here north in Dalhart. But in Pampa, everyone translates to all y'all. So it's not just the husbands. It's the wives. It's the children. If you're single today, you're part of all y'all. If you're a young person today, you're part of all y'all. We must fear God, and it must start with us by preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. <clears throat> so verse 5 says, the Lord bless you from Zion. If we are fearing God, we're bringing that into our church. Our family becomes the church. A repentant, God-fearing church then longs to see its city prosper. The gospel doesn't stay within these walls. It goes out into Dalhart. In Pampa, it goes out into Pampa. It doesn't long to see it prosper in wealth. It longs to see it prosper in the fear of God through the gospel preached in love and humility. In Pampa, we just finished a study called Gospel Culture. And in a nutshell, it was how the gospel changes every part of our life. How we treat our spouses, how we treat our kids, how we treat our neighbors, how we spend our money. Everything that we do, the gospel should affect. That all has to start with us living gospel-centered lives, which means we must every day remind ourselves once again that we are sinners and Jesus is our Savior. One of my uh, favorite scriptures to go back to, to remind myself of this, is 2 Corinthians 5.21, where Paul says, He, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin, so that we could know the righteousness of God. Jesus walked this earth in perfection, so that he could give you and I perfection at the cross. Look at Psalm 128. None of us have ever feared the Lord and walked in his ways perfectly. That's why we need to repent daily. But Jesus did. 
Psalm 128 was the desire of those Israelites to have godly homes and godly churches and godly cities. I'm asking you today, is that what you desire? A godly home lives and preaches the gospel and then takes it to church and lives and preaches the gospel there and takes it to its city and lives and preaches the gospel there, which then it reaches out and to the furthest, darkest parts of Texas, maybe even Oklahoma, who knows, <laughs> but America and then to the world. That's what Jesus said he wanted us to do in Matthew chapter 28 at the Great Commission. Turn there real quick. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always unto the end of the age. That starts right here in my heart every morning reaches into my family, my church, my community, my workplace. It starts with us. Psalm 128 is more than just another song. It's a call much like the Great Commission. Let's read Psalm 128 again. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. I lost my place. Sorry. What I see now in Psalm 128 is that I am to fear God by reminding myself daily that I am a sinner before a holy God who has been saved in spite of who he is. I need to take that to work with hopes that a coworker will see that I'm different because of Jesus Christ and ask me about Jesus Christ. To live that humility before my wife and children in hopes that God will save and bear fruit through them and that we as a family go to church with that same humility, loving others as God in Christ has loved us. That our church will reach into the city the same way with humility and love, that the gospel would spread from this place into the world. Psalm 128 is a call to live a life worthy of Jesus for the good of the world. Now you might be thinking like I was thinking earlier, 
That's too much pressure. That's a lot. Why are you putting that all on us? I messed that up before I left the house this morning. I have good news for you. It's much worse than you think it is. And you might ask yourself, why? Ah, What do you mean it's much worse than I think it is? How is that good news? Because that means God's mercy to us in Christ is greater than we can imagine. Strive then to live lives worthy of Jesus. And when, not if, when you fail, thank God for his forgiveness. Ask for repentance. Lead your heart, your family, your church, and your city to Christ. That's a blessed life. Father, we come before you today so grateful for your word, grateful that um, you have shown us who Jesus is and that you ask us to go out and show others who he is. God, when we fail you, help us to be reminded that we have a Savior who never failed and who loves us and let his life be the model that we go to every day to try and live more for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing the song that is one that says, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to be who you want us to be. Um, and you are God alone. <laughs>